God's continued grace be upon us. Today we're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. We're going to do a flyover of the Beatitudes. We've been kind of taking a look at it a little bit, and the next week we get into the Transfiguration, and then we jump into joining Jesus on his mission for March and April into Easter. And so continue to come and join us as we take a look at God's word to us. So thank you for being here on this President's Day weekend. It's a three-day weekend. I know that many of you could be a number of different places, but here we are in God's house in worship, and what a joy it is. There was a, uh, a story that was shared with me about a, a, a pastor who was at a church, um, and his name is Zach Southall, and Zach was praying with the, uh, the, the group, and... Uh, all right, this is totally fictitious, by the way. I'll just lead with that. Uh, and so Zach was praying with the group, and all of a sudden one of the, the band members says, Lord, who was praying, Lord, I, I really don't like buttermilk. Zach kind of, what? And the band member keeps praying, and Lord, I really don't like lard. Zach's like, what? Buttermilk, lard? And Lord, you know, I really don't like flour all that much. Zach's still saying, what is going on? And the man continued, but Lord, when you take the buttermilk and the lard and the flour and you mix it all together and you bake it and you add some heat and it comes out biscuits, boy, is that delightful. So Lord, let us continue being mixed by you, put under pressure and, and, and know that we might be under fire, but through the end, you are making something greater than just biscuits. And I think, and of course he said amen. And of course, that is with us as well. A lot of times we might have simple things in our lives that we might not like, but after God gets done mixing them together, and sometimes we have to go through a little time of heat and fire and pressure, but when we look back, we see the result of God putting all these ingredients together, and it comes out something way better than just buttermilk biscuits. We're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5 to see what God is mixing together with us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Now, this week, I encourage you to take some opportunity to look at the Beatitudes Matthew 5, 6, 7, take a look at what God is saying to us as we walk through life. And sometimes the ingredients might feel a little, we might not like what God's putting in there together. In fact, today as we hear some of the ingredients of God talking to us, we might say, I don't like what that says in here. But God actually mixes it all together, puts a little heat on us, and out comes something Wonderful. Verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, of course, I'm going to stop right there because Jesus is making a point. None of us, none of us, none of us, none of us are able to equal the righteousness of of per 
perfection. We're not perfect. You might think you are, but we're not. We are not fully perfect or righteous. God has come to us and he says, because of what I have done on the cross and in the empty tomb and up on the throne in heaven, you are veiled, hidden, Colossians tells us, in Christ. And because of God's forensic righteousness given to us, we are perfect. But here on earth, we're not. We come before God and we say, God, I'm sorry. And God says, I forgive you. We come to his word and we say, God, I'm sorry. And God says, I forgive you. We come to his table and his baptism. And God says, I forgive you. I wash you clean. I fill you with my forgiveness. I feed you. I send you on your way. We're not perfect. But there are people in the Bible that actually thought they were perfect. They could earn their way to heaven. You know anybody like that who thinks they're perfect? That thinks they're perfect all the time? You might be knowing someone who says they're perfect. But God reminds us, even a little speck, an iota, is a stain on perfection. We're not perfect. The Pharisees, however, thought they could be because they looked maybe at the wrong things. I have a little thing up here. It is a heart and a cross. And at weddings, when I officiate a wedding, I will generally give the bride and the groom a lay a, something on the Bible as we're doing their vows. And I will generally give the bride and the groom something to hang in their house to remind them of what love is and where we go to for the ultimate sacrificial agape love. And sure enough, this particular one is made out of wood. And if you can see the design, there is a heart emblazoned upon the cross. And through God's gifts of grace and sacrifice and his gift of love, sure enough, we have this together. And that's what a marriage is all about. That's what a relationship is all about. And of course, I'm talking about marriages today on this Valentine's weekend. But it also goes for how we deal with our children, our parents, our brothers and sisters in the family and in Christ that our heart surrounds, is surrounded and based upon the cross and God's grace. Well, that's what God intended initially when he gave us his ten words. The ten commandments that was given to us in Exodus 20 were then kind of expanded greatly. And the Pharisees of the time and the scribes of the law didn't just stop with 10. Those were just 10, and, but they were as equal as the other 600 and some rights, rules, and regulations that they came up with. And so sure enough, by the time Jesus comes around, he says, you know what, you've broken off from what I intended. And just as the Pharisees had broken off from God's love and had focused on their own righteousness, so too, 
It was a broken relationship, just like this. And the Pharisees of the time, and even the Pharisees of our time today, focus on this, because they say it's the foundation, rather than this, the cross and the heart. And so Jesus comes along and says, hey, we need to change things up a little bit. We need to focus a little bit more on God's love rather than your own self-righteousness. You can see behind me up on the screen a very dramatic picture. Maybe that's what your household feels like at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever you get together. But on that, you can see all kinds of variations of chaos. And there's even some people underneath the table that you can't see. But in front of that is a heart with the XFL logo. How many of you have seen the, any of the XFL? Zeke, you have? Anybody else? All right. Who has not seen it? All right. Thank you for answering that because I had no idea what the XFL was all about. We don't get the sports channels, and so I didn't know. And so last weekend, I had was flipping through the TV and sure enough came across football. And it's like, wait a second, the Chiefs just beat the 49ers in football. What's going on here? Sure enough, I started taping it and watching it and started thinking about the Beatitudes that Jesus coming along is kind of similar to the XFL. See, the Pharisees were very specific in what they believed that theirs was the right way. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, wait a second. You're focusing on the wrong stuff. You're focusing on this little sliver of your own self-righteousness rather than God's covenant of grace given to you through God's sacrifice, through God's forgiveness. So as we walk through Matthew, we're going to stop three different times and talk about, briefly, how the XFL, God's extreme family love, covers you. We're going to do that quickly over the next few minutes. So here we go. Jump in. You might not like what the Bible text says, but God is saying this. And again, flour, lard, buttermilk. Jesus puts these ingredients together. So keep your ears open because while you might not agree with this, God actually says it. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Racha, Racha, you fool, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, Racha, you fool, utter contempt, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary 
may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. In the XFL, they have some revisions. Now, purists in, in the NFL are going to say, this is not football. Okay, it's entertainment. It's done by a person who does world wrestling entertainment. WWE, Vince McMahon, and no disparaging remarks against him. He's using it for entertainment and sports, and so let's take a look at it. But one of the things that I like, one of the tweaks that he brings in is on the kickoff. On the kickoff in the NFL, you line up way far away from each other and then you charge 100 miles an hour at each other and you slam into each other and people get hurt. In the XFL, they line up five yards away and then go at each other. There's, the idea is a lot less injuries. How often in life do we line up way far away and then try and slam into each other at 100 miles an hour? and hurt one another. Maybe we look at brothers and sisters in Christ in a different light and say, how do I want to uplift them? How are you doing that in your home? How can you uplift and not damage those under your care, under your roof? Let's go on. Verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual, sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Okay, for some, in today's world, I know that that can sound like fighting words. But we remember we have to look at the context of where Jesus was talking, but also to be reminded, hey, this is buttermilk, this is lard, this is flour. God's mixing it all up together, and, and he knows what he's talking about. But back in the day, it was relatively easy for a husband to discard his wife because she was just property. She was a possession. And so there was a lot of latitude in the Jewish culture for how you treat your spouse, your wife. And Jesus comes along and says, wait a second. No, there's more to it than this. You don't just get a free kick. You don't just get a free opportunity. You've got to cherish and honor and respect your husband your wife, one another. In the XFL, one of the other changes that I like is there's 
at the end of a touchdown, there's the point after that uh, when you kick in the NFL, it's blink, it goes in. The XFL added something new. You have to run a play. It's not just a simple kick. You have to run a play. From the two-yard line, you get one point. From the five-yard line, you get two points. From the 10-yard line, you get three points. You actually have to run a play. It actually takes some effort to get a point. It's not just a gimme. In marriage, in our relationships, it's not just a gimme. We gotta work at it every day. It takes more than just a sweet little card or a box of chocolates or some roses or flowers or dinner. It's an everyday sacrifice of unconditional love for our spouses, our children, and our parents, and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's keep going on. Verse 32. 33, again you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. You do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. One of the next changes that I like in the XFL is that the skilled players, what they call the skilled players, are all on headsets. There are six defensive backs that are in constant communication with the defensive coach, and the skilled players on the offense, the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, are all in communication with the coach so that they're all on the same page and can run the same play. How do we, how are we doing with our communication in our homes, in our community, and with one another? Are we in communication with our coach and listening to what he has to say to us so that we can run the plays that he gives to us? And the playbook is pretty extensive here in this Bible. As followers of Christ, we are counterculture. And yet God says, follow my playbook. I'm your coach. I'm your owner. I'm your guide. But run my plays. I'm going to skip over to verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus was reminding them that on our own, we can't get there. And it's a miracle that God gives to us that he says, I love you so much that I created you, I died for you, I rose again, and I am up in heaven watching over you. And miracles happen on a regular basis because of what God does in our lives. And sometimes we want to focus our lives on this. And God says, no. Focus on the cross and my love for you. And that will give you plenty and sustain you plenty to be able to love one another. Because you can't be perfect. Only God is perfect. The other day, final thoughts. The other day I was at lunch with a dear friend. And he's an artist. And we were talking about how this artist draws things. 
and we were looking at a chair next to us. So I want you to look at the chairs around you. Maybe the chair in front of you, maybe the chair behind you, the chair you're sitting on. And I want you to think, how would you draw that chair? Where would you start? What would you do to draw that chair to make it look like a wonderful chair that you could give as a gift or to pass on to someone? And I, of course, am not an artist. And so I start thinking, all right, I'm going to start building at the bottom, maybe, maybe put some curves up on there, maybe put some legs on there, and I'm going to look at what I see in front of me, the foundation, those main points that are in contact with the floor. And I thought I'd be doing great. It was terrible. I got the perspective all off. And then Michael started saying, saying he starts with the space. The space in between. The space in between the legs. The space around the chair. He fills in the areas around the chair that provide the boundaries and borders in order to draw the chair. And we talked about how there's grace in the space of the chair. And I thought God talks to us in the same way. We look for specific touch points, but God says, I live and my grace is in the space in between. And as we take a look at what God says to us, he's saying over and over, my grace is sufficient. My grace surrounds you. My grace fills the, the empty spaces of your lives and supports what you think is foundational. I want us to live in the grace, in the space of our lives as God leads us forward, as God blesses us from his Sermon on the Mount to today, to tomorrow, and for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen.